You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. How's everyone doing this morning? We doing good? Staying warm? Actually, I'm a little warm. Um, let's just take a big, deep breath. Just a... Because I need to take a deep breath, for sure. Um, let's go ahead and go to God in prayer before we get started this morning. Father God, um, look into our hearts today. Look into our hearts co- individually and collectively. Father, I ask that each of us will feel you and know you more than anything else that we may need, that we may want. I ask God that your presence is genuinely, not artificially, but really felt this morning. And not just today, but throughout our lives. Father, I believe the greatest prayer, the greatest request to you, God, is that we may know you more that we may understand you, that our relationship with you will ever increase and mature and grow and be transformative to us and who we are and who you have meant us to be. Father, there are needs in this room. I pray and ask that you will deal with them, whether they be physical, emotional, mental, And even more so, of course, spiritual. Father God, I ask that you will help us today to be in tune with what you want us to hear. And not just hear, but have a transformative effect on our lives from this day forward. God, we know that you are an awesome God. We sing songs that declare that. We, we, we say prayers that say that. We know that. But may this all be more and more real in our lives. Not just in gatherings like this, but even when we're out amidst the challenges, the temptations, the struggles, the hurts, the sufferings, all those things that distract us from you. And even the good things, God, that we think are good, that distract us from you. Father, I pray deeply for this faith family. I pray for your kingdom all over the world, but drawing your attention to this faith family here and what you'll begin to continue to do through us and with us. Father, we thank you for ultimately making it possible to be in relationship with you because of what Jesus did on the cross and for that relationship to be eternal beyond this life into the next. And so, God, I ask again that you will be with the words that are shared. What you want shared, what you want said, what you want understood, what you want applied, may it all be about you. Father God, we praise you. And again, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we begin another series of lessons with the elders of the church, each doing a message And the focus of this particular series has to do with who we are and what are our roles as a church. And as you've probably heard that the elders are kind of taking various 
aspects or areas of the church ministry and involvement, those kind of things, and, and kind of overseeing that, that we're all still together seeing this whole bigger picture of what the church is by the power of God. We're not the bosses. We're not the main dudes. We're just serving. And we're serving to help and to help lead the folks here, each of you, in these various ministries. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to be each focusing on our area of ministry that we've decided or requested or been chosen to to kind of help lead. And my area is the area of community groups and prayer. And this morning, I'm going to talk about each of those, probably more so on the latter than the former, but with the idea that we can be challenged and we can see and look into ourselves and say, where, where can I even fit in? Especially during this period of transition, this period, which some could refer to as a, a, a period of crisis, because the word crisis means turning point. And there is a turning point. And trying to see where we're to go since we don't have the teaching or lead pastor, but trying to see what God's doing through this whole thing. And I want to commend all of us, all of you, for being strong, for being committed in the midst of this. And and I personally believe and see growth within each of all of us as we're stepping up and not being dependent. And hopefully when that time comes for another individual to come in and help lead us, that we will not be dependent on that one individual, but be dependent first on God and then with each other and not elevating one above the rest. Because we all, each all have a giftedness. We each all have hopefully a passion and a desire when it comes to serving God and his church and doing what he wants us to do. And so in the front of you in your seat, you have a card And we want to challenge you to look at this card. There's a place for your name, your email, phone number. And take this card, and if you're involved or if you're wanting to be involved, look at those areas of opportunity to serve and be involved. And as this happens, hopefully you will grow. Don't look at this as, oh, now they're wanting us to do something else. No, this is an opportunity through your service, through your involvement, to be closer to each other and to be closer, off, obviously, to God. And so look what this says, check it, and then put it in or take it to the information desk in the front. And we'll have this available throughout the series. So think about this, pray about this, and see where you can fit in, especially as we go and talk about the various areas of ministry, worship, involvement, however you want to call it, throughout these next several weeks. And hopefully you will be challenged. And again, we're going to say things probably that will encourage you and that maybe even sound a little, come on, join up, but don't just listen to us, listen to what God's doing and be obedient to that. Be responsive to that. Because when we become followers of his, we say Yes, I want to be involved because that involvement is not just me doing things, it's not just me helping out, but it's enhancing my growth with you, God, as we serve 
one another. So, let's begin. First of all, I'm going to talk about community groups. And I want to begin with this idea of discipleship first. Discipleship. The slide needs to go back. There you go. Discipleship. We are called to be disciples. We are called to be followers of Christ. What does that mean? Does that mean just, okay, I I obey the gospel, I become a Christian, and then I sit and just whatever happens, happens? I'm saved. I'm done. Now I'm just waiting to go to heaven. No. No, 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 no. We are all called to go beyond that, to be disciples. Notice what is said in Matthew chapter 28. You're probably very familiar with it. 28, 20, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, his disciples, his apostles. Not too long before he was going to leave this earth, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, To observe all things, I command you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the earth. This teaching was directed towards them, but as we read it today, it's directed to us. Just to let you know, a little word that maybe you're familiar with, a little fancy word called hermeneutics. Have you heard it before? Some of you have. It basically means the interpretation of Scripture. And as you're trying to interpret the scripture, these scholars use this word and it has to do with things like command, example, necessary inference. Which has to do basically say look at the scriptures and try to understand how much of this is is to be applied to us in what ways and, and, and see what's being said. And so what I'm going to be focusing on is probably all three. If you look and listen carefully, the command and the example, but you can also say there's maybe a necessary inference and that necessary inference is there's, there's enough, enough evidence, enough proof that says this is inferred to be, this is what we're to do. This is what we're to follow. This is what we're, how we're to apply what God wants of us. It from his word to us and how we live our lives. There's a lot of debate about what is and what isn't and all this, and that's for maybe some of the more scholarly folks to sort out, but there are clear scriptures and clear verses that say this is what, what and who we're going to be, and I'm going to talk about some of those this morning. You'll see a lot of, in particular through example of the early church and what I'm sharing today. But it all comes down to these two areas of community groups and prayer. A big part of this is the process of us becoming disciples. That word disciple is a follower. Someone who is maybe even an apprentice to following Jesus. You see, it's not about us just becoming Christians again and sitting and saying, okay, now I'm just going to wait till I die. It is we continue living our lives, following him, being involved in his, whatever his work is for us to do. And you're going to see how more and more that is challenged if we look carefully enough to do that. This is great for us to come together and worship. And that's part of what we're to do. That's what we're part part of what we're to be about. 
But it goes on and beyond that. We are called to be followers. And we learn and practice, learn and practice, learn and practice. It's continuous. For those of you who are involved in any kind of job, or if you've been in a career for a while, there's a lot of training. There's maybe some shadowing of people. Maybe there is some kind of apprentice program where you're following someone and you're learning how to do it. Well, that's what this is telling us to do. And it's not just for one person or this person or that person. It's for all the church. All the church. So many times we hear, well, I'm, I'm just, I, I can't do anything. No, you have a gift. Pray about it. Seek out. Try to understand. And the big thing through what we're looking at today is this idea of being dependent upon God through it all. Because, see, that's the problem when we try to decide our involvement. We look at our own power versus looking at the power of God to work through us. We look at our own weaknesses. We look at our own shortcomings. I can't do that. I don't have that ability. I da, 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 all these excuses for saying, no, I want to be involved. I don't know what I'm doing to do. I don't know. I can't, but I'm going to try. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to seek help and leadership so that I too might be a leader and help and be that disciple that we're called to do. But there's a little problem I want to focus on just briefly. I could go off on this for a long time. But one of the challenges I think in our world today is not what you might think it is. A lot of people think what the challenge of the church today is the evil and the political upheaval and all these people doing bad things. And this candidate believes this way and does this way and so on and so forth. I think for at least in this country, the challenge, the greatest challenge we have to the church and the growth of the church is a simple thing that we all probably familiar with is the American dream. The American dream. The American dream, I want to I share with you a little bit of history where this came from. There's a guy named James Truslow Adams. He came up with this probably about a century ago. And he says this, the American dream defined as this, a dream in which each person shall be able to attain the fullest stature of which they are innately capable and be recognized by others for what they are. In short, the focus of the American dream is, what about me? It's all about me. It's about my power, my ability, my education, my doing this. I'm going to become the person that is meant to be by my own power. I'm going to have the nice income. I'm going to have the nice house. I'm going to have the trips everywhere. I'm going to have this, this, and it's the whole thing in our country in particular, but others as well. People aspire to the American dream to have so much. And again, it's all about us. Yeah, we may say there's God and we may worship God, but what we often do is we look at God as being a supplemental power to our main power. Does that make sense? See, the problem with the American dream is that it's us that's the main power and God's just supplemental when we need him. When we go to him and pray and ask for his help. Rather than as believers, he is the main power power, the main source. And the question is, and be honest with yourself, 
Is that really true within you? Really? Are you caught up? And again, I'm not pointing fingers. We're all struggling with it. To where it's about my achievement, my gain, my power, and being the person who I am meant to be. And then we only go to God when we have no other, other place to go. Rather than making God the first. Always. And realize that you have the job you have. You have the career you have. And you may even have the wealth that you have. Not for your own, but for his glory and for his use. And everything that you've been blessed with and everything that you have is for him. And even in your problems, in your health issues, in your struggles, everything has a purpose, a greater purpose, a greater plan as far as God. The question is, how do we tap into that? And a lot of that is through what we're talking about this morning, some practical ways, if you will. So the first of these real quickly, again, is the community groups. Real quick, I'm going to get past the mechanics or the, you know, the particulars. Back on the back two tables back there, there are four sheets of paper. They're all the same. They're on the two tables. I want you to think, you don't have to think right this second, but think soon after this time together in this way to go back there and say, number one, if you're a part of a community group already, you answer the questions in the columns. Pretty much it's what's your group? who you are, your leader, who the leader of your group is. And if you're the leader of a community group, there's a little thing you just got to read carefully. We need your contact information. And you put that there. It's pretty self-explanatory. If you have any questions, ask myself or ask my wife, Laura. And just fill that out and think about either if I am a part of a community group, I'm going to put this down. Or if I want to, put it down as well. Just say, I'll put my name, I want to be a part of one. And what I mean by community group, community group is coming together beyond just this. Whoever's up here teaching, whoever's up here leading worship, you cannot be discipled by once a week on Sundays. It just can't happen. That's not enough. We must get together and have dialogue and pray together and learn together and grow together, challenge each other, maybe even debate with one another. Whatever it takes, we need each other. God designed the church to be a together people. And you're going to see that term come up a lot today, together. You see, there's a lot of folks, again, to deal with the American dream, they think, yeah, God's important. I just go once a week, maybe once on the holidays, and that's good enough for me. That's all I really need. Really? How's that working out for you? And it's not just appeal to come to a building and keep a seat warm and then go out. It's not just to have a a number of people gathering together just for the sake of, whoa, we've got so many people coming to our church. And we've got all these programs and all these events and all these kind of things. Man, we're a great church. There are a lot of churches that are doing that. But inside and in who they really are, not so much. I'm not saying that's the way with everyone, but we can easily get caught up and become the American dream church versus the church that says, I'm here to serve. I'm here to live. I'm here to do what I want for God. Because you realize that the gospel's not about the American dream. In fact, quite the contrary. What does Jesus say? He says, deny yourself, pick up your cross 
daily, not just once in a while, daily, allow yourself to go through suffering if necessary for the cause of Christ. Allow yourself to go against you, who you are at times, your fears, your struggles with who you are, and push against that a little bit. I'm afraid to talk to someone, but I'm going to go against it and do my best and trust his power to help me in that situation. Whether it be small things, big things, and all that small, big, that's relative. And that's what God is seeking and asking through his word to do. To be disciples, come to community groups. We share time. It's not just Bible study. You share each other's life. You help with each other's issues. You pray about things. And then hopefully, a lot of community groups, they get together and they do service projects. They go pray. They do this. They do things in smaller groups where they can be more intimate in their conversation and their talking and who they are. Now, there's some people, personalities, I understand. I'm not that kind of person. But you know what? We got to look in deeper again and say, wait a minute, I have this personality, but is God challenging me to transform this personality a little bit and be a person that goes against the grain of really what I want for his glory to where I can be deeper into him in a relationship with him and be more of a person involved with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, again, Christianity is not just about making the decision and sitting and waiting. By the way, folks, I hope we understand this. Heaven's not somewhere in the future. Heaven's now. Right now, it's just when you die, there's an automatic transition. You just, if you're in Christ, you're with Christ. As you are here, you're there. It's just a, a different type of unknown, specifically experience. Eternal experience. But it starts right now. And right now means I want to know more about God. I want to be more involved in God. Yes, you have other responsibilities in life. But how much is God really interjected in those things on a consistent, regular basis? And that can't take take place. I believe where this, this happens, where this change happens, is where our want for God becomes greater than our simple need or have to about God. Does that make sense? Having a transformation of, I want him. I want him. I want to know him. I don't understand about this God. Yeah, it's a little bit challenging. It's a little bit hard. But I'm going to read. I'm going to study. I'm going to talk with people. I'm going to be a part of a group. I'm going to pray about all these kind of things so that I can be as God wants me to be now. And that's the greatest thing for me in the future. And so... We see here in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, it's a verse that, again, many of us know. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider one another, that's each other, let us consider one another. This is why we gather, in part, to give God glory, but in part to one another, in order that we stir up love and good works. We stir up those things. In one another, through our coming together, through our encouragement, not being judgmental, not being nasty, not having personality clashes, but by encouraging one another through the word, through our actions, and through our love. And notice what it says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves, and here's that word again, together. Now, a lot of people look at this verse and say, this is the verse that says you've got to go to church on every Sunday. 
If you're not going to church every Sunday, yep, you're, mess, you're, you're, you're disobeying this, this passage. Is that really what it's talking about? Just coming to church? And what I mean coming to church, coming to a building. I really don't like this whole idea of we go to church, our church is that building over there. You've heard me say it before. The church is the people. This is just a facility. doesn't mean anything. It's about the people and the people of God. It says, gathering yourselves together, as is the manner of some, because some people were not doing this, but exhorting, that's building up one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, the day approaching, there's a lot of discussion on that. Is that the day when Jesus comes or what day? But one thing I can see here is that day is more than just once a day or once a week, more than just one time every so often. But sometimes we see in the early church, by example, they met daily. We're going to see that a little bit more in a second. Now, am I saying that we have to meet every day? No, but I think we can look into our hearts and look into ourselves and say, you know, something should probably change. And not that you have to. I'm not, I, don't want to, I don't want to come up here today and say, here's what you have to. Here's what you have to. I'm asking you to look into your heart and say, make a change. Say, I want to. I want more to be with God and with God's people and be involved in God's business, which sometimes means being involved with people in the world who are not of God. That's another part of this. Versus, you know, it's nice sitting in my house, have my TV, got my ball game on or whatever show I like, and I can't miss that, and, and all these other excuses that we come up with. You see, that's why the American dream has been such a challenge to us because it's, it's occupied our time. It's caused us to be more and more busy. Got to take our kids to this thing, that thing, do that. And all of that is what? Because somehow, some way, we identify our significance by being involved in these worldly things versus our significance being in a relationship with God. Because the world is telling us this and pressuring us And that's what it's all about. The transforming thing is, again, the desire. Not just say, well, I'm going to become a better person today. I'm going to do better at going to church, whatever. No, look into your hearts and see how that, the transformation. And that comes through discipleship. That comes through making yourself available to be connecting with God. And so that takes me in now to the, latter part of what we're going to look at as far as ministries, and that is prayer ministry. Spend a little more time on this. I know I'm going to make a little long. Apologize, but I'll try to do my best. Prayer ministry. How's your prayer life? Don't ask out, don't answer out loud. Don't answer that question. You realize how significant prayer is. I'm going to show you why prayer is and, and, and is so significant and, and hopefully understand what prayer is really all about. How many of you heard the saying, I believe in prayer? I don't like that saying. I'm just like, why? Because prayer is not what I believe in. I believe in God and prayer is just the means to know God more. It's just a way to know God more. It's just a way to get in touch with God. I believe in God who answers the prayer, who listens to the prayer, who helps us, helps in developing a closer relationship with him through that prayer. And so I believe in God 
I believe in the Lord and prayer is just a means to that end of getting to know him. And we see in scripture, just to highlight a few, you know, Jesus in the temple. Remember that when Jesus was in the temple, you know what his greatest problem was with the temple at that time? When they, when the Jewish leaders had all these animals and all this stuff going on for Passover and stuff and doing what they did and, and creating a big rutkus in the temple, the temple became a place of capitalism. It became a place of buy your sacrifice because it was hard for you to carry it. So we'll sell it to you, but we'll sell it to you with inflated prices. We'll make a lot of money off of this Passover thing. And Jesus, one of the few times he got angry that's recorded in scripture is when these people were abusing something that may have been good in of itself and it by itself as far as, you know, you do something, you get compensated for it. They, they threw it way out of proportion And they were abusing it and they were abusing people. And he said, my house is not a den of thieves, meaning these people are ripping other people off. He's saying, no, this is a place of what? Prayer. Think about that. That's one of the number one things that there is to be a part of a group of people to get when they come together. And for some reason, we often give little attention to that comparatively or at least we put it on the back burner. And so prayer was definitely a huge part. Now, most of us can say prayer is important. Today, what I'm going to challenge us with, because this is another hard thing in our culture and who we are, and that is corporate collective prayer. Same thing. Praying together. You hear many times, I... I can't come to a prayer group. I can do that on my own. That's true. That's true. And some appeal to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. He said, basically, summary is, go to your prayer closet. But in that verse, he wasn't saying, this is how everyone's to pray is go by themselves. He was addressing a bigger issue in that verse. He was addressing an issue where the Jewish leaders were trying to make a show of their prayer. And he said, in that case, if that's what you're about, it's better for you to do it in private in your own little prayer closet. That's fine. If you have a prayer room, encourage you to have one. If you have a place of prayer, that's awesome. But not to the neglect of coming together and praying together. There is power. There is strength. There is a great connection with God when we do it together. And now at this point of crisis or turning point in this faith family, what a better thing to be doing together. I'll get more in the details than that in just a little bit. But I want us to look quickly here at some verses of Scripture where we see this example of this taking place. Acts chapter 2. And this is after Jesus had ascended. He, he rose, spent time with the disciples, ascended into heaven. They're, they're with each other. I want you to remember this. If you go back in Acts 2, I want to encourage you to read it. You probably know about it. Just look at the details. They were in the room together, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And it wasn't just a, you know, a little casual thing. I mean, this thing was big. This was power unleashed like never before. There was this big sounding wind, almost like a hurricane. And then there was this sudden, these little tongues of fire on people's heads. Imagine that if you were there in that group and you were looking at each other and there was this tongue of fire and you're looking at each other. Wow, you got fire above your head. And No, you have one too. Oh, yeah. Imagine what was going on with these people. Man, it was awesome. 
And from that, as we read further on, this is some things that happen. Verse 40 and following Acts chapter 2. And with many other words, he testified. That's just talking about Peter. And exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day about how many? 3,000. Talking about church growth. It went from about a hundred and some people to 3,000. By their power? No. By the power of God and the spirit. Enabled that to happen. And they contributed to or they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Fellowship means coming together, breaking bread, and in prayers. And they did this regularly, not just once a week. Then the fear of the God, fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Man, this was huge. Why doesn't this happen today? I'm not saying I have the answer, but I may have a possible answer. Are we coming together frequently and are we praying together frequently? Reading on the same verse, verse 44. Now all who believed were what? Together, not different. They were together and they had all things in common. There was some commonality there and they sold the possessions and goods and divided amongst themselves and everyone who had need. And so continuing daily, not just once a week, daily, and in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were doing the communion thing. They were breaking bread and having meals together and their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, those are being saved. As a result of them coming together on a regular basis, meeting in houses, having these things, praying, eating meals, fellowshipping, studying the word, understanding God, seeking his, all this stuff together. And that's where the church grew. But unfortunate today in our world, in our country, we've narrowed it down just to a little, little bitty piece of time. And we walk away saying, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Please don't misunderstand me, though. I know we're living in a different culture. And there's some things we need to adjust, but let's not make, allow our culture to be in charge of us. Let God be in charge of us and go against counter the culture and push back on it. And again, as this faith family does these things, who knows what can happen in this community, in this area? And through his church. And it's happening in other churches. Other churches are taking this all very seriously. And my encouragement, this is my belief, is that we be a part of that. That we do this. Is it going to happen all overnight? No. But make it a goal. Make it something that we want to be a part of. Going on in Acts, we see that I could go through all these, but for time's sake, we'll just hit these couple. But Acts chapter 4 is another place where we see a lot about this, what God's doing through prayer and them coming together. Verse 29 and following. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy, uh, through your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Was shaken. 
What would you do if this place was shaking? Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be a literal earthquake kind of thing. But there can be a shaking and a movement within a group of people who have tapped into God's power through prayer, through faith, and great things can come out of it. And it's evident. It's clear. I think some of us here in this room have been a part of prayer groups and and situations where those kinds of things happened. Should we not want more of that? Should we not want more of God? And then in that continue being as God wants us to be together collectively in prayer and living our lives together. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, reading on, and they spoke the word with boldness. Are you having a, do you have a struggle with sharing God's word with someone? Are you, is it intimidating? I get that. I understand that. But have you ever made the effort? And then have you prayed to God to give you that power to be able to pray and, can, and then also to confront that person with the gospel. Have you prayed around? Or just, I mean, I can't do it. I surrender. I can't do it. It's not my personality. You know, you can be pretty creative in this too, by the way. You can write things down. You can even text someone now with the technology. Why not use the technology for that? But look into yourself and say, I want to, and hopefully you do. And get past your struggle with who you are and your personality and allow God to transform you in this way and then reading on and now in verse 32 and now the multitudes of those who believed were of one heart one soul there was unity that's what brought unity a lot of people want unity in churches unity is going to come through praying together through being together through being community groups through developing relationships with one another as you mutually develop a relationship with god neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. Boy, this is really powerful. They didn't say, well, that's mine, it's mine. No, they were willing to give to one another and have that commonality with one another. And please don't misunderstand. I'm not advocating communism here, but there might be a little bit more of generosity. And that's a whole other subject that we're being challenged with through this verse. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. This is all happening during this early part of the church. You know, Acts 2, and then we jump to Acts 4, and this is all going on. Verse 34, Nor was there anyone among who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands and houses, they sold them brought the proceeds of these things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed each as those who had need. And this is awesome. Why don't we hear about this today? Something to think about. Again, this is not to put a guilt on us. This is about challenging us to be real. We talk about part of our mission being real, real people, realists. Let's be real with God. Let's be real with one another. Let's not be superficial and fakey, but let's be real people, really seeking after God, really wanting a relationship with God, and a relationship really with one another. And put down down the things that hide our real self. And really hopefully allow ourselves to be transformed, to desire God 
that God may transform us to be different people in our relationship with him and with one another. And so as I conclude this, I want us to know this verse came to mind from the very beginning when I started this message. And it's, it's, a, it's a section of scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and following. And it is a, referred to as a call to prayer. We're familiar with the call of prayer in the Old Testament where it says we're all the people, they will call on God's name and all this and they will heal the nation and all those things. And that's good. But I, I think this one here is even more, I guess, more, if nothing else, more contemporary for sure. Notice what Paul writes as he's encouraging, as he's writing to Timothy. Therefore, I exhort you, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men. He just quickly, in that little sentence, summarized an outline of things that are to be a part of a prayer. Supplication, praying for things, praying for people, etc. That's part of prayers, intercession, interceding for others who need things, whether it be physical or even more so spiritual. And then, of course, giving thanks. We do those things pretty well in our prayers. But how deep do we go with it all? For kings, he says, and all who are of an authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. Real quick, when's the last time we prayed for our leaders? And what did we pray for our leaders about? Did we say, I hope one guy will suffer the consequences and the other guy will be just praise and become our new leader of our country? Or do we pray for both of them that God will intervene and touch their hearts in a loving way, not a vindictive way? Not in a way that says, man, I hope that guy, I hope that guy suffers or that woman suffers or whatever. You keep in mind when, when, when Paul wrote this, you know what time, you know what was going on? You know who the leader of Rome was at this time? They say roughly around AD 64, Nero. If you've done any history on Nero, Nero was one of the most wicked Roman emperors of the, uh, uh, in history. He was the one that was said to, to purposely set Rome on fire and blame the Christians for it. That's how wicked he was. And in this time period, he's saying, pray for the kings, pray for the leaders. Those are in authority. Sometimes it's hard. And you could put in there authority in your work. You may have a a difficult boss. You may have other people who are leading you in other areas of life. And that's hard to pray for them because they just did something to you that you didn't like. They they reprimanded you. They they maybe said, hey, I I don't know if we're going to be able to hold on to you. All these kind of things. First things we can want to go to is, "Ah, I don't like them. I'm going to pray for them. And what do we pray for specifically? Do we pray for their best? Do we pray for God or do we pray something that is more self-serving for us versus for them and the whole situation. These are just what I'm thinking. For kings and those in authority, that we can have peaceable, without without, uh, with uh, good godliness and reverence, verse 3, that this is a good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what he wants. He wants us to know about God through Scripture For there is one God, one mediator between God and men. And guess who that is? It's Jesus. You see, that's the big thing that Jesus does. He 
comes in between us and deals with this whole sin stuff. It makes it possible. That's the greatest thing that God did through Jesus. Yes, he saved us our sins so that we go to heaven. Please let us not forget that the biggest thing he did was it enabled us for God and us to come back in relationship. We were big time enemies in a certain way because of sin. And if you've ever suffered a breakup of any kind, a girlfriend, boyfriend, divorce, God forbid, and or, or, or being estranged from your kids, when the time comes to come back and reconcile, what a beautiful time. What a beautiful thing. Well, we're being able to be reconciled to God because sin did not allow us to be very close to him. But now we can. And we can in part through our prayer. Who gave himself, verse 6, as a ransom for all, to be testified, for which I was appointed a preacher. This is Paul writing again, and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire, therefore, that men, this is the call to prayer, folks. Listen carefully. That men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Paul's saying, this is a call to prayer. And what I want to do this morning is for us to listen to this and say, let us come and pray together. Wednesday night, you hear a lot about Wednesday night prayer gatherings. As we're going through this crisis, transition, turning point, especially, but all time, not just this, what a better thing to do than to come and pray together. Now, a lot of times when we pray, and I'm not, please don't misunderstand, I'm not knocking this because it's important as well. We often pray about ourselves, our sicknesses, our struggles in relationships, our pains. The prayer's not just about going to God and asking him to do things that we want him to do for us only. It also involves much deeper spiritual kinds of things. And so what I have also out in the foyer, you see this big box, it's called, it has put on it prayer box, church prayer box. And I've got a bunch of cards around it. I want to encourage you before you leave today, and I'll maybe keep it out longer than just this week, is for that you write a prayer request on there that specifically has to do with the church and the culture, and things that we've been talking about this morning, specifically, and how God is going to work in us in our lives. I put three words down, just kind of help as a, as a guide. There's, there's maturity, there's mission, and ministry. And just kind of three words that summarize what the church is to be about. And I want, us to, I want to challenge you to put a prayer request in that area of of whatever it is. Again, let God speak to you how that might be and put that in there. And we're going to pray over that. We're going to pray over those prayer requests on Wednesday nights. I want us maybe to continue this as well. And then, of course, I invite us to come together. I know there's different challenges that we all have, but there is power when we come together. This particular Wednesday, Veronica and the ladies are going to be coming and praying as they go into the new year for their women's ministry. But, and we'll be here for that, but we'll be here for other things as well. I want to invite you to come this week 
and one of the, hopefully one of the focuses is going to be the church and into the future as far as leadership and where we're going and, and all these other kind of things, how we're going to reach the community and pray about those things. And then hopefully after this Wednesday, we'll be challenged to continue to come. And even if you don't come every time, maybe say once a month. Because the prayer meetings is where things often really happen. You know, people were very interested in revival. And a lot of times people try to manufacture revival by saying, we're going to have a revival at such and such day. Revival happens when we pray. It's not something we can produce. It's God producing it through our getting together and through our prayer. That's when revival happens. You've heard about this last revival down in Kentucky where a group of people, they were there for a service and they started revival because it was put on the heart of these students to just let's start breaking out in prayer. And it lasted, I don't know how long, several weeks or whatever. That's where revival starts. That's where change happens. May this be the most significant thing in your life is to want more of God and to know him and see the results and the effects of all that. Appreciate you listening to me ramble a little bit, but I hope God is speaking to us. I want us to stand and I want you to grab a hold of someone, a, a, a hand on the shoulder or a hands, just hands or whatever. Let, let's, let's touch each other if possible. And if that's one of your wigging out things, I, I apologize and I hope you can get past that. I want us to touch each other. I want us to pray together. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Don't be afraid to reach out, touch someone, even if it's uncomfortable for you. Father God, we are so thankful. I am so thankful for your word I'm so thankful for the relationship that I have, God, with you. I thank you for the relationship that everyone here has for you, God. As we've talked about these things, I pray, God, that it's been right and true. If it's not, let, let us forget it. But, pray, but God, if this is right and if it's true, please, I pray for more of us to be involved in communicating with you and connecting with you and developing a relationship with you through prayer. Father, there are needs in this room. Each person has different things going on in their world. Some are very challenging, whether it be health issues, whether it be just pain through relationships, whether it be mental struggles, uh, emotional struggles, whether it's job-related. Those those are important, God, and we ask that you address those. And address those, please, God, in such a way that it doesn't just take care of the problem, but that the person who it involves or the people it involves, that they will be more drawn to you and more desiring of you in a relationship. And Father, for us who are struggling with what that all means, I pray, God, for the power of the Spirit to come upon us, to help us to be able to discern your truth, to understand your ways, and to yield your ways. Take out take out our pride, take out our self-sufficiency, and may we yield ourselves to you today, God. May we as a group of people who are meeting in this small town, and that's okay, Nazareth was a small town, And you work through small towns as you do with big towns. And I pray, God, that you will work through Blanchester and the surrounding communities. Challenge us, God. Help us through the hardships. Help us through the difficult moments. Father, may we come together regularly. May we do it, not just to do it, but may we benefit through it in our connection and relationship with you. Whatever it takes, God, we cry out to you 
as we've been challenged with this call to prayer. We pray for our nation. We pray for our world. And what we mean by that is, God, intervene. Show your will. Show your strength. May people surrender to you. May people desire you. May it not be forced. We pray for a transformation of lives and hearts and minds and overall spirit within our who we are on this earth. Please, God, save us, yes, from our sins, but save us to you. May heaven be as close as it can be on earth now. Please, thank you for what you are doing in the world. Thank you for the bright spots that are all over because there are many. And we praise you, God, for that. And we look forward to us being a part of that even more. Be with the leaders of this church right now. For each, each of us men and others that are involved in ministry, please, may it all be about you. You. We cry out to you, God. We thank you for Jesus. We want to be his disciples. Help us. Make us. Change us. God, we love you and may that be real and not superficial. Thank you for being with me today. I am so encouraged just by being able to speak. Keep the fire burning. Yes. Keep us alive in you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.